This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Attorney General William Barr is actually giving me some hope that justice will finally be served when it comes to the abuses of the former Obama administration. Welcome to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio Network. Walker Wildman, your host here. Glad to have you with us. A lot of content to talk about. You know, we had this this Attorney General, the Attorney General, William Barr, we had his testimony this week in the uh, Senate chamber, in the actually a, a committee chamber, but the, the U.S. Senate, a committee, the Judiciary Committee and the U.S. Senate interviewed or questioned uh, had a hearing with the Attorney General, William Barr, on the entire Russia hoax, Russia investigation, whatever you want to call it, fishing expedition. I've been calling it a hoax, so has President Trump. Whatever you want to call it, the uh, the Senate had a hearing on that. So we're going to really delve into that. I got a lot of clips from that hearing. Uh, before I do that, I want to tell you about how to keep up with the show. You can visit our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is our website there at the top of the page you can click on the podcast link and then you scroll down a couple clicks and there is the exposing washington podcast and at the podcast page at afr.net you can find out all the information you need to know about the show you can listen to the show listen to this show you're listening to right now or you can listen to past shows there at our podcast page lastly but not least uh but last but not least you can download the show on your smartphone, just go to the podcast store on Apple or Android device, type in Exposing Washington, download the podcast each week, and it's very handy. I know on Apple devices, I don't know about on Android, but on Apple devices, if you if you subscribe to a podcast, it'll actually download it automatically on your phone whenever a new one's available. So each Saturday, really on Friday afternoons, the Exposing Washington podcast uh, is downloaded directly to my phone automatically. So I just go to my playlist, and it's right there. The latest and greatest Exposing Washington podcast is right there, ready to listen to. Jumping into this, uh, by the way, we're on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in Exposing Washington. Jump in, Jumping right into this uh, hearing, Attorney General Barr, uh, William Barr, President Trump's newly appointed and confirmed Attorney General, relatively new, past few months, he testified before the Senate and answered all kind of questions about the Russia investigation headed up by Robert Mueller and his team of 19 prosecutors. Well, I just want to remind us before we really delve into this and start playing clips and all that. I want to remind us, each of us, and I have to be reminded this too, that the origins of this entire controversy, if you want to call it a controversy, the origins of it are corrupt. The investigation was based on no crime. Six months ago, I played a clip from Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney. He said this is a 
He said the original sin, I'm paraphrasing, Joe DeGeneva said the original sin here is that the FBI opened an investigation into no crime. The FBI opened an investigation into no crime. That is the original sin here. President Trump is not the problem in this situation. So we're talking about we're talking about an investigation that was flawed from the get-go. And so let that be reminded of that as we're talking about this. This was not a legitimate investigation when it comes to its origins and its intent. Its intent was very very corrupt from the beginning, very biased from the beginning. I want to go ahead and someone who reminded us of, of the, the problems with the origin of the Russia investigation, Senator Josh Hawley on clip two. This is Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, newly elected senator uh, put into office this past November. He is talking about who started the whole Russia hoax investigation. Clip two, let's listen. I cannot believe that a top official of this government with the kind of power that these people had would try to, to exercise their own prejudices, and that's what this is. It's open, blatant prejudice. Would try to use that in order to overturn a democratic election. And to my mind, that's the real crisis here. And it is a crisis, because if there's not accountability, if this can go on in the United States of America, well, then my goodness gracious, we don't have a democracy anymore. So I appreciate your leadership. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, I, I look forward to hearing the results of your investigation, and I look forward to this committee continuing its constitutional responsibility to find out what is going on here and making sure that the will of the people is vindicated and established. Senator Hawley there is, is exactly right in that the people who started this investigation were Hillary Clinton supporters. And that's not my accusation. That's fact. Their own words, in their own words, they talked about how Hillary Clinton should beat Donald Trump in a landslide. They also talked about the disdain that they had for Trump voters. That's their own words. That is the words of the FBI officials who started this investigation into Donald Trump and his campaign. But this is about the political revenge of the Clintons. This is, out, this is about punishing Donald Trump on behalf of the Clintons carried out by the Department of Justice and the FBI. That's what this is about, no doubt. Because the FBI's own words is that they were going to set up a, a quote, insurance policy should Donald Trump win the election in November. That's their own words. They met in Andrew McCabe's office. This is all documented fact. They met in Andrew McCabe's office, talked about the so-called insurance policy should Donald Trump win. And what is the insurance policy? Well, it's the special counsel. It's the Russia investigation. That is the insurance policy. This investigation has corrupt origins, and that needs to be investigated. More on that, Robert Mueller, the former FBI director under Obama, the... Robert Mueller, the special counsel who investigated President Trump and his campaign associates. Well, Robert Mueller was unhappy with the attorney general's summary conclusion, the four-page conclusion that William Barr released on March 24th. So he sent a letter over to the attorney general saying, basically, 
I don't think your conclusion summary provided enough context and substance when it comes to the full investigative report. Well, here's what Attorney General William Barr had to say about that. This is clip four. Let's listen. You know, after after a you know months long trial, if 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 I wanted to go out and get out to the public what the verdict was, pending preparation of the full transcript, and I'm out there saying, "Here's the verdict," and the prosecutor comes up and taps me on the shoulder and says, "Well, the verdict doesn't really fully capture all my work. How about that great you know cross examination I did, or how about that third day of trial where I did that? This doesn't capture everything." My answer to that is, "I'm not trying to capture everything. I'm just trying to state the verdict." That's exactly right. So Robert Mueller, who headed up the investigation into President Trump, complains, sends a letter complaining to the Attorney General. Your conclusion summary didn't provide the full context and the substance of the 448-page report. Well, of course it didn't. It's four pages. And to the attorney general's credit, and to to further his point, the conclusion summary is just that. It's a summary on the final lawful conclusions of the attorney general's office. It is not meant to provide full context and substance for uh for the public that's what the full report is 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 meant to do and the analogy there that he draws the attorney general says look this conclusion summary is just like announcing a verdict a a prosecutor goes out and announces a verdict or a district attorney goes out announces a verdict well he's not going to go through two hours of how the trial began the, the ups and downs of the trial, and then the verdict. No, he just comes out and says, look, here's the verdict that the grand jury or the jury reached. And that's exactly what the attorney general did with his summary. But one thing that I think is true is that the Robert Mueller was unhappy with the attorney general bar conclusion summary, the four-page letter to Congress, I think he was unhappy with it because of the spin that it received in the media. The media actually declared President Trump is innocent, no collusion, no obstruction. And and, and Robert Mueller just couldn't stand that his 448-page report showed that President Trump was completely innocent of all charges. Robert Mueller couldn't stand that. He wanted the DOJ to somehow spin the report to indicate or um, to be negative towards President Trump. Another good thing that came out of this hearing, and I've said all along, I think these hearings are a waste of time. And in this case, I'm playing a lot of clips from the hearing, but I don't take back that statement. I think these hearings, while they can be beneficial to some extent, in large part, these, these hearings are a big circus. It's a big show. It's all for entertainment purposes, television ratings. It's a big waste of time. Why do I say that? Because Congress is doing nothing when it comes to the core issues that our country cares about. And I talked about this extensively last week. I went through the top issues that voters care about, what should be done about them. We actually talked substance. Well, what is Congress doing? They're having these hearings where they're arguing, bickering back and forth and actually doing nothing to solve 
the the issues that our country faces when it comes to illegal immigration, health care prices, Obamacare, getting rid of Obamacare, all these issues Congress is doing nothing about to solve. Clip, uh, this is Attorney General Barr. I want to play this clip. Confirming that there is a criminal investigation into various leaks that happened before he got there. Listen to this clip three. Let's listen. What are you doing to investigate unauthorized media contacts by the department and FBI officials during the Russian investigation? We have multiple criminal leak investigations underway. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Attorney General Barr parsing no words. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa there says, what are you doing to hold people accountable for the leaks that happened before you got to the Department of Justice and the FBI? He says simply, we have multiple criminal investigations into leaks that happened before I got here. Kudos to Attorney General William Barr. And, you know, I started off when Attorney General Barr was going through his confirmation hearing. I was a little concerned. I played clips of the confirmation hearing where he was calling Robert Mueller Bob. Remember that? He was calling Robert Mueller Bob Mueller like they were buds, like they hang out on the weekend. That was concerning to me because... It led me to believe how is how is William Barr going to be unbiased, objective, and faithfully execute the law and hold Robert Mueller accountable when when his buddy Bob is running the special counsel. But somehow William Barr has been able to hold up to the pressure and the temptation to cave in to the political elites in Washington, William Barr has fought it tooth and nail and is actually impressing me in how good and how uh, full of integrity he has handled these issues. The last clip I want to play from the Attorney General, this is the Attorney General talking about how we need to stop using the Department of Justice for political purposes. Clip one, let's listen. You, in effect exonerated or cleared the president? No, I didn't exonerate. I I said that uh, we did not believe that there was sufficient evidence to establish an obstruction offense, which is the job of the Justice Department. And the job of the Justice Department is now over. That determines whether or not there's a crime. The report is now in the hands of the American people. Everyone can decide for themselves. There's an election in 18 months. That's a very democratic process. But we're out of it. We have to stop using the criminal justice process as a political weapon. Well, they, that's the attorney general. Kudos to you, William Barr. That is true. We have to stop using the criminal uh, justice system for political purposes. And that's what the Obama administration did. That's what they did. Remember Dinesh D'Souza, conservative author, speaker, brilliant fella, filmmaker, Dinesh D'Souza went to jail, I think, for either six months or a year for campaign finance violations, which, okay, that's fair. You break the law, you face the consequences. I'm all good with that. I've always said that. I've been 100% consistent that you break the law, you face the consequences. Remember we talked, I used to talk about how you go over the speed limit, you get a ticket, you got to pay the ticket, you got to pay the fine. And so... This, you know, we've talked about the two-tier justice system, the the inequ- the inequality within the justice system. We've talked about that. Well, okay, fine. 
Dinesh D'Souza serves six months in jail, a year in jail, whatever it was, because he broke the law when it comes to campaign finance. Fine. But guess what happens to the Obama campaign? President Obama's campaign breaks the law when it comes to campaign finance. What happens to them? Well, they just pay a fine. They just pay a fine. To the Federal Election Commission, nobody goes to jail. So you see the double standard there. You see the double standard when it comes to the enforcement and the punishment that different people uh, have to face when it comes to breaking the law. The last thing I want to talk about when it comes to this Russia investigation, you know, the Democrats have been claiming, well, President Trump, uh, President Trump obstructed justice. President Trump obstructed justice. When he fired James Comey, he obstructed justice. And it's really funny to listen to this because you just wonder, do these people not even know what they're talking about? Do these people not know what they're talking about when they're talking about President Trump obstructed justice? These are, these are supposed to be smart people. And they're accusing the president of obstructing justice. Let's walk through that. Did President Trump obstruct justice? Absolutely not. The attorney general has said the same thing. The bar to prove that President Trump obstructed justice is pretty, pretty high. The bar that you have to prove that President Trump obstructed justice is pretty high. There has to be intent. There has to be an underlying crime, which there wasn't because President Trump is innocent. So with no underlying crime and no intent, President Trump did not obstruct justice. And I would go as far to say that President Trump, from a legal standpoint, cannot obstruct justice. Why can he not legally obstruct justice? Because he's the commander-in-chief. He has the Article II powers to run the executive branch, and that includes the FBI and the Department of Justice. And that means firing people in the FBI and the DOJ. That means President Trump can shut down, can unilaterally shut down investigations if he doesn't like them. Now, I'm not saying those actions would be good, or they would be moral, or they would be ethical, but I'm saying from a legal standpoint, the president can so-called obstruct justice without consequences, and nothing can be done about it. That's part of being in the executive branch, part of being the commander-in-chief, part of having executive authority. So by President Trump firing James Comey, absolutely not obstructing justice there. He's simply carrying out his duties to... Uh, have the ability to fire his subordinates, which the FBI director is a subordinate to the president of the United States. Now, now, from a theoretical standpoint, from a hypothetical viewpoint, yes, the president can obstruct justice. For example, if President Obama told Loretta Lynch to go to not prosecute Hillary Clinton, I'm not saying this happened, but hypothetically, if President Obama said, to the attorney general, you do not need to, I do not want you to prosecute Hillary Clinton, even though all of the evidence shows that she should face criminal punishment, that would be obstructing justice. 
but President Obama could not be charged while in office for obstructing justice. Why? Because you cannot indict a sitting president. You can impeach a sitting president, but you cannot indict him. Because can you imagine if prosecutors could indict a president? If prosecutors could indict a president, that would be chaotic. Because you would have political districts, political prosecutors, politically motivated prosecutors from across the country trying to indict the sitting president. You cannot be able to indict a sitting president and have a stable and functioning democracy. That's why our founding fathers gave us the uh, articles of impeachment, high crimes and misdemeanors. The articles of impeachment allow Congress to remove a sitting president uh, if they so deem appropriate. So thankful to the founding fathers for including that uh, clause there. One other issue uh, that I want to bring up is this, uh, this poll that I just found actually before we started the show is a Chicago-Harris Chicago School of, for Public Policy poll. I know that's a mouthful. But this new survey by the University of Chicago, Harris School for Public Policy, that's a lengthy name there. Maybe they should shorten that. But this University of Chicago survey shows that 54% of Americans think that the system, talking about how our government works, the uh, U.S. government, how it's structured, that the system needs to be changed and 12% believe it should be completely replaced. Now you say, well, that's not really a big deal. It, it, it is a big deal because that's 54% of Americans, both Republicans and Democrats, think that the basic functions of our government need to be changed. Yes, the functions like the functions that our founding fathers set up over 200 years ago. Now, in reality, I kind of sympathize with this poll. Why? Because Washington is broken. Some of the ways that Washington works or doesn't work in this case, it is frustrating. And I think reforms do need to happen in Washington, D.C. And maybe I'll actually bring in a, we'll do a whole show, an entire show, on some of the changes that need to happen in Washington, D.C. Uh, and some, some positive changes that could happen in Washington, D.C. Before we wrap up the show, I want to cover a few quick stories that I thought you might find interesting. The first one I want to talk about is in the fo foreign policy, the folly, the foreign policy arena. President Trump is leaning towards designating the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. Who is the Muslim Brotherhood? Well, they are basically, the Muslim Brotherhood is a front group. Well, really, they're not a front group. They, the Muslim Brotherhood, Brotherhood is directly tied to Hamas, the terrorist group, Al-Qaeda, and various other terrorist organizations. The Muslim Brotherhood is tied directly to those groups. And guess what? The Muslim Brotherhood is embedded in U.S. politics. President Obama used to have a Muslim Brotherhood representative in the White House. But when I was talking about front groups, the Council on American-Islamic Relations care. They're a front group for the Muslim Brotherhood. 
And so the Muslim Brotherhood has deep ties to terrorism, ties that are not hidden, that are not private. Everybody knows about this. President Trump is leaning towards designating the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. I think this is a great thing. Why is this a good thing? Why is this important? Why is this relevant? Because by designating the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization, they will cease having heavy influence in Washington, D.C. Because which, which politician, which agency is going to have partnerships with a terrorist organization in Washington, D.C.? Now, will they still have influence? Absolutely. They got a lot of money, a lot of power. But as far as the Muslim Brotherhood having a strong foothold in American politics and in Washington, D.C., President Trump designating them a terrorist organization would prevent that. Another thing I want to talk about is this Medicare for all that the, the Democrats are touting during the campaign trail, on the campaign trail, the 2020 campaign trail. And if, if, if I don't know about you, but I'm kind of already tired of this campaigning. It seems like we just finished the 2018 midterms and we're 18 months out and people are already campaigning for uh, the 2020 presidential election. But I guess it is what it is. But Medicare for all, this is a, an op-ed by Dr. Mark Siegel of Fox News. Dr. Mark Siegel of Fox News, he's a Fox News contributor, but he's a, also a doctor, obviously. He writes this lengthy article in the USA Today about how Medicare for all is a horrible, no good, terrible idea and how it would be even 10 times worse than private insurance, than the private employee-based insurance market that we have right now. So I'll post this article on the podcast page at AFR.net. And he goes through, in this article, he talks about how the, if, if, if America does something, a single-payer system like Medicare for All, he talks about how the wait times would would be extremely long. In Canada, which they have this single-payer system, this Medicare-for-all system, in Canada, patients wait an average of 20 weeks between the time you see a doctor and a treatment. Because you go to the doctor and they refer you to a specialist for various treatments or surgeries, in Canada, people wait 20 weeks. Let's say you go to the doctor, you have a broke leg, and you need to have surgery. Well, uh, we'll see you back in three months. <laughs> we'll see you back in three months. You go to the doctor, you've got 90%, you have 90% blockage in one of your main arteries. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in three weeks. We'll see you in four months. Can you imagine? People would literally, you know, the Democrats say people are going to die if you take away Obamacare. I'll guarantee you, people will literally die waiting for care. They're already doing this in, in Canada. People will die waiting for care if we have a horrible, no good, socialist-run healthcare system like Canada. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Glad you're with us. AFR.net is the website. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.